0: It's Leanne from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thank you for tuning in today. On our podcast for today, this episode is going to focus on something that uh, I have been urged to do, just don't quite have the time yet. Uh, from a couple of different people, my alma mater, the Alberta Safety Motor, or so oh, I can't talk today, the Alberta <laughs> Safety Council. My apologies, Karen, Um, they have pressured me from the day I got my license many, many, many years ago to consider this option in life. We're going to talk about how to become an instructor. We've got Karen McMillan from the Alberta Safety Council with us today. Welcome back to the show.
1: Hi, Leon,
0: how are you? Obviously not talking very well today, but that's okay. (laughs)
1: Some more coffee, maybe. (laughs)
0: Uh, So you've been on the show before with us to talk about some tips last season, and we wanted to bring you back this year because I noticed um, back in that January, February, March era of this year, uh, you guys had put out some postings that we were happy to share, and I hope it worked out for you. Um, looking for people who wanted to become instructors. And then I thought about it. We've never done a podcast on that. So I'm going to start with you, though, specifically. When did you become an instructor and why? Uh,
1: Let's see. About 10 years ago is when I started to become an instructor. And the why was... I had gotten back into riding after a 15-year hiatus. You know, it's the typical story. You have children, you have the mortgage, you got to put your life on hold for a little while and and take care of your family and take care of the other important things in your life, right? So once the kids started to grow up and we started to feel more comfortable and had a little bit more time in our life, um, that's when we started riding again. And I got back into riding about 15 years ago and at that time, my husband had already become an instructor a couple of years previous. And I had also another buddy of mine that I've known for forever. He's like, oh, you got your motorcycle license back again and you should come and be an instructor. It's a, you know, It's going to be a natural extension of what I had already been doing in my career because I've been a teacher for over 35 years in the music industry. And it just seemed like a really good fit. It was motorcycles, and wow, you mean I can teach people how to be a safer rider and have a direct impact on them being a better rider and being a safer rider? So that's just sort of how it evolved over that period of time.
0: Yeah, I I love that, and actually, I'm today old learning that you have been a teacher for that many years in in music, and I I totally appreciate that. Um, I know if I were to, when I should say, when I finally decide to devote <laughs> my time to, to, uh, to that, yeah. So <laughs> when I decide to give up parts of my life and and become uh, an instructor, um, I think it would be for that that reason, like just the the giving back, the continuing of giving back to our community for safety reasons, to the knowledge of putting people out there with good skills, and and I appreciate that. So
1: what yeah, and that's, that's the uh that's the bonus in all of this right is that you have that direct impact on somebody's motorcycling adventure let's just put it that way and over the years i've had i've lost track it's countless times where i've had a student march across a parking lot and they're making a beeline for me and i go okay they look like they're on a motorcycle and oh, okay and they come and they say you know what karen Whatever we learned in your course, I got into this really bad situation, and what I learned in your course saved my life. And in that moment, I heard my instructor yelling those instructions to me, so it sticks, right? And that's the biggest impact and the biggest reward of the entire thing.
0: I uh, similar similar story. I going out to BC when I found myself in a questionable uh, position that I. <laughs> will fully admit I put myself in. And when I got into Nelson, I called George, your predecessor, and uh, thanked him for solidifying some things into me when he beelined for me in my course when I was struggling in one area. And then he spent a bunch of time with me one-on-one. And, yeah, he essentially he saved my life that day by being George in my head. Now, for people who don't know George, he's very military type background type man and was about the only person who could get through to me when I was on my course struggling in my uh, figure eights. But I digress. He's he's a wonderful man and, and I'm sure he's missed. I, I know I miss him um, over there, but you're doing a fantastic job in, in the role as well. What kind of things am I looking at when I finally make the jump into wanting to be an instructor? What's the prereqs? What do I need to have?
1: Well, the prerequisites for coming in to be an instructor, we always want you to be really comfortable speaking in front of large groups of people. That's the primary function of the instructor here, right, is to impart the information, be really comfortable standing in front of people and be able to get it all out. Right. So that's our biggest thing. You've got to be able to hold your class six for a minimum of three years, which means you're going to be over the age of 19. Cause you can get your license at the age of 16. Um, we like to have people have about 10,000 kilometers of riding and people are saying, well, how do you keep track? of that? And you know, you're not going to monitor that. And it's more just that we want people to have experiences that they'll be able to share with their students. Right. So it's not that you've had your license for three years, but uh, you just go out occasionally on the bike. Like you've done some serious riding. Maybe you've taken some more courses, things that make you an even more established rider. Right. So those are the basic things. We have physical requirements as well. It's a it's a physically and mentally demanding job that you have here. We're quite tired at the end of (laughs) the end of a weekend or at the end of the two and a half days that we have here, we walk about 22 kilometers a course. We've logged that on, you know, people got their magical little Fitbits. It tells them how many steps they've taken. You have to be able to stand out on the concrete for eight hours. There's long periods of standing where you're watching people coming toward you in an exercise where you're standing in one place, right? Um, there are the odd times when you're going to pick up a motorcycle, so being able to pick up a 250-pound motorcycle properly without hurting yourself, and we obviously talk about how to do that here with our instructors, and then just blocks of bending and squatting and picking up cones and moving stuff all over the place, moving bikes in and out. So those are the those basic things that we have to have right off the
0: what about yeah. I would imagine somebody who has, you know, nearly demerited out on their license probably wouldn't be a good instructor.
1: Yeah. So that's that uh, you have to have less than seven demerits, right? And we get you to get a driver's abstract. And even when you go to apply for that license with the Alberta government, they're gonna they're gonna know. Right. And if you, as an instructor, even if you exceed the seven demerit mark, then the school here gets a little polite letter from Operative Transportation saying, Hey, you might want to talk to your instructor because we're going to have to deal with those demerits.
0: Oh, so uh, we as people aren't the only ones who get those letters. You Uh, get them too? Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they're telling on you. Oh, my (laughs) God. Yeah, (laughs) kind of. Yeah. That's the way that's going to go. So,
0: okay. So going down that list, speaking in public, class six for at least three for at least three years would like 10,000 kilometers fit mentally and physically and less than seven demerits I mean I can check all the boxes Karen so we're, we're looking good and I'll try and stay that way for you <laughs> for when I'm ready. Um, but that doesn't sound like it's like it's too bad of a thing for a prerequisite. I mean it sounds all common sense, right um but then there's like, I think some people don't understand in this province because, you know, Facebook is not instruction. The social media are not, they're they're not instructors. And in this province, legally, you have to be licensed through the government, correct? Yes, absolutely. So, and then how do you get there?
1: So every driving school is is licensed through the province of Alberta. So any of the instructors that are here you become a class six driving instructor, right? And some people are like, well, I just, you know, I just want to help out and I just want to, you know, you know, mentor some people and give them some tips, right? And they don't understand that this is what the requirement and the the end result is of working at a driving school, right? Um, So in that licensing, in the licensing procedure after you get through our course, so, what, our, what we do is we have an instructor development course here and it's a four weekend event and in the first two weekends that people are here, we go through the entire curriculum that we teach. We have a standard curriculum. Everybody here teaches to that curriculum. Not so that we're all little robots that we say exactly the same thing, because we want people to express their style. And, you know, everybody here has a little bit different style. So for those first two weekends, we cover all of that curriculum. We go through uh, adult learning how to teach people because we're teaching adults. And that's it's a it's an adventure to teach (laughs) adults, right? It's different from teaching children. Adults have baggage. Adults have Um, needs, right? Um, They struggle. They have egos. Some of the things that kids just sort of, you know, learning for children is just sort of like, yeah, sure, I can do that. And I'm just going to just, I don't care if I make mistakes and adults aren't like that. So we pick up on those things and we, we teach that in the first couple of weeks that we're here. After the first two weekends, we go through an audit. So our instructor candidates go through an entire course where they're watching a live group of students. They follow them from start to finish. And at that time they pick up on what the other instructors are that they're watching. They're in observation mode. We don't allow them to, well, they do interact with the students because they're part of the group, but they're not um, speaking with the students. They're not offering helpful hints. Their, their primary function in that audit is to pick up on what the instructors are, are doing the flow of the course is how are these instructors actually helping people what are they doing what are they saying with these coaching tips you know they're watching an exercise and okay how did they fix that person that keeps dumping the clutch stalling their bike or whatever the issues are that they have and then they take all those notes and then they go home and then they study the crap out of our curriculum because the next time they come in are going to teach on that fourth and final weekend of that course. So it's not a sink or swim event. We have a lot of support for those people. You have a shadow or a buddy that's behind you all the time. We work through it all. Primarily, we get you to speak. We spend about 70% of that buddy teaching the lessons because like I mentioned before, it's all about the talking, right? Yes, you've got to be a pretty awesome rider to be here. You want to look good for your students and demonstrate everything really accurately, right, and correctly. So that's that's the that process before we even get to the government stuff, right?
0: Yeah, so so it's kind of like a, a little bit of in-class and then a little bit of job shadow and then a little bit of on-the-job experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that sounds like a... Again, commonsensical way at approaching how to learn to be an instructor. Is it similar at other riding schools, do you know?
1: No, I'm not quite sure what other schools in town do or across the province. There's only so many schools that are allowed to, they have a, it's called a, an X uh, denoted on the license of the, the driving school, which means that you are allowed to be a training school. So, so you can our,
0: train the trainers.
1: Yeah, train yeah. the trainers. So it's one of us here in Edmonton, and then there's another school in Calgary that also has that X on their license that it allows them to train.
0: So then, how do other in other schools get instructors? Then, sorry, before we get into the licensing yeah. thing, if they, if they're not allowed to train their trainers, then how did they get trained? Yeah.
1: I'm not sure how they go about that, and I I can't actually answer that question. Very well, nice. I might have, I might have to mark
0: that down for someone else who doesn't exactly. have an answer. Yeah, yeah so, so
1: that's how they, you know, you know, this is how we do it. How other yeah. schools accomplish that goal, I'm not quite sure. Yeah.
0: So then, once they're through the course, then then we have you know the government who likes to regulate a lot of things, and in this case, I think it's appropriate because. Huh. Absolutely. I would assume there's a bunch of liability attached to being an instructor. So let's kind of go through this whole licensing process with the government. How does that work?
1: So what the government wants to see is that you have the knowledge to be an instructor. You have the writing skills. You have the teaching skills and the coaching skills. The first thing that they do, and this realistically this is over a couple of days, but it's very dependent on the person how far apart that the The written part is and how far apart the next step which is the practical portion because there's a whole lot of studying and all that kind of stuff that has to go on so um the first portion that the government gets you do is they get you to do a knowledge exam but even before you get into that you are filling out an application and what the government wants to see is that you have a criminal record check in place right Then the next thing that they want to see is a driver's medical. So again, it's back to that being physically fit enough to do that. Uh, So let's see. Yeah, you got the, let me see, driver's medical and the criminal record check. And then they also want to see that you have had that training. Once they have that paperwork, then they set up a knowledge exam. So the knowledge exam, if you have not ever been licensed as a driving instructor before, is in two parts. So they do a 50-question general knowledge exam. And that's study materials across the board from the Alberta Traffic Safety Act, which is a quite a large document. It's, you know, several inches thick, really detailed legal fine print, right? And you work through that. Basically, it's focusing on the rules of the road. You've got to have a pretty good general knowledge of classes of license and all these other things, right? So it's a 50-question exam. And then as well, they're always going to test you on the class of license that you are applying for. So in this case, they're only going to give you another 25 questions on the class 6 portion. So you're studying under the driver's guides, the rider's guides, we have other supplemental information that we offer to the instructor candidates that are here. And you have to get through that exam. And you must have an 80% to pass. So at that point, if you if you pass, great. If you got less than 80, they're willing to give you another go. And they're going to wait for a couple of weeks just so that you've got time to study a little bit more and get that information in order. You come back after two weeks. Do it again, 80%, you're good to go. If you haven't studied and it's not working out for you, uh, they make you wait another year. Because at that point, it's like, well, you really do need to understand this information. You're a driving instructor who has to have this information under control. Um, You know, we've got courses and other schools as well where you're taking students out on the road. You're coaching people for road tests, all of that good kind of stuff. And you've got to be really well informed, right? So that's the first part. That's the written portion that they do with you. After you get through that, then they're going to come and they want to hear you teach and they want to see you ride and they want to learn about, you know, how you're coaching people. Alberta does not have a standard Class 6 curriculum across the board with every school that teaches. So our school is different than, say, TNT or Too Cool Motorcycle. Everybody has a little bit different thing. We all teach the same stuff. It's just in the way that we do it, right? And so what the government has done is, and you can find this on their website, is if you just type in the Class 6 Driving Instructor Guide, It's a nice big laid out manual, really precise what they get you to do. So what they're going to get you to do is they're going to do an on lot test with you. So what they've done is they have made seven exercises that are standard across the board. So if I'm the train the trainer, I have to include this information in my instructor course. So we cover that. We go through all of those exercises and we practice those during that class time but when the class six examiner from alberta transportation comes they want to hear you teach those seven lessons so they've laid it all out how they want you to speak it and they want to you know okay pretend we're a group of students and go for it and explain this new lesson and it's like okay great and moving on you're going to demonstrate that lesson All those seven lessons, they're very specific with the requirements, say, you know, you can't hit a cone, you can't put your foot down, you've got to go at this speed, you've got to do it in this amount of time, whatever that exercise, those specifications are. And then once you've demonstrated it successfully, then they pull you off the bike and they're saying, okay, so perhaps your student put their foot down in this U-turn exercise. How would you help them? So they want to see you teach, they want to see you talk, they want to see you ride. How are you going to help people? That's going to be your job. When we're done those seven exercises with the government, if you got through everything successfully, the last step in that is to do uh, They do a road test. And before you go out on the road test, they want to hear a vehicle inspection. So they do a 12-point inspection that you got to go through. You get through that, and you jump on the bike, and you go out and you do all of the road tests. And you've got to have less than 50 or 50 or less points, right? You've got to be a better than the average road test user that gets 75 points as their, are you know, allowable points taken off. So it's a process. Realistically, it's done in two days, right? The knowledge stuff at, you know, the formal sit down at the Alberta Transportation Building. And then this second practical portion is done in an afternoon. But again, it's the prep time To get to those points, how much do you need to study to do that knowledge exam, first of all? And then how much time are you gonna need to work through those lessons, practice that stuff, make sure you got all your rules of the road down to get on that road test? I mean, realistically you should, (laughs) but for some of us, we haven't done a road test in you know 20 years. So it's ever ever. Well, not on a motorcycle. Not on a motorcycle. No, you were licensed before. I well, and so
0: so that was that was going to be my question on like the the like going through all the skills with the with the people who want to license you. Yeah. Are they the same lessons that we lot tested before they mandated a road test? Because there we found my weak spot. I will fail the figure eight.
1: <laughs> so they don't do the figure eight anymore. Right? Oh, I back yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually those, those lessons or those exercises from the class examiner she's come to the lot. So they have taken those, they've beefed them up a bit. Like you did a curve exercise, right? It was in first gear. You just had to stay in the pylons and stop at the cones. So in this next curve, it's like okay, you have to get up to this speed. At this point, you're braking. At this point, we're going to start timing you. So they've kind of ramped it up to the instructor level, right? Right? Yes, but yeah, it's exactly those those exercises, which I thought was kind of cool when they brought those in. So
0: yeah, no, that's uh that's awesome. So then, if they're satisfied with everything that you do, you
1: get a license. You do. And then we're more than happy to have you on board, right? As soon as you get through our course, that's when we send you to the government. Yeah. Right. And it's just sort of a natural progression. Even those lessons that you're going to speak for the government, it's we do all of those things within our curriculum. So it's just a matter of, okay, adjusting how you talk about each of those. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like that.
0: So the last thing I want to touch on, and it's for all the listeners out there who, yes, it's okay to be a mentor to somebody getting into writing, but to always encourage maybe taking a a course from a professional, what is the liability if you were unlicensed and teaching? Like, is there a liability there?
1: Well, there's going to be. Yeah. So on our lot, we have insurance. We're a school, right? So if something goes wrong... I mean, there are times that things don't go as well as people would like them to. They fall down, they crash on the motorcycle, right? People that are learning are unpredictable, right? You don't really know where they're going to be at. And that's the problem when you're working as a mentor, you know, when, you know, all these social media groups, which are awesome. There's a lot of support out there for the new riders to go and get some road experience and all of that, or I don't have the money to take that course. And can somebody just, you know, give me a few pointers, that kind of thing. So again, that person, you know, you don't know them really at all, right? They're a complete a blank <laughs> you don't know what their personality is like. You don't know what their bike is like, and you're going to put them on a motorcycle and you're going to go out in traffic. So if something were to happen Would they be able to come back on you and say, you know what, you didn't tell me that I was supposed to do this and do this with my brake or pull in my clutch or look where I want to go, or perhaps they didn't quite understand how to steer at speed and do push steering appropriately. And now they've run into a building or a car, excuse me, a car, right? So that's maybe where that liability comes in, where you didn't really tell me that I'm going to do that. And now I'm injured because of you.
0: Yeah, and there are some really great groups out there on, on the yeah, socials that do, that do help and mentor, but they they also encourage you to do a course first, and then we're here to help you get some seat time.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, and so. that, that's always, I mean, that's obviously, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like to have it on the training lot where it's sort of a contained safe environment. The traffic is removed. Yeah our curriculum right we do have a, a traffic scenario where we ride as a group yeah in scenario but we don't go out on the road yet but it's just it yeah i just it's a it's a contained environment where you're building our curriculum is on building blocks so we're doing small things at small times if somebody isn't ready to move on then we we pull people out right so that they understand and they're safe with that basic skill before they move on to more exciting things and higher speeds for example.
0: Right. Do do you think the ASC will ever have an on-road component to the
1: Learn to Ride course like some other courses do? Well, we won't have that in our basics course, like our motorcycle essentials. That's mm-hmm. our beginner course. This year though, we're excited to and it's up on our website, we are going to have a road test prep course. Nice. That's yes. new. And new. needed. And needed because we have a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there that they don't have these contacts with social media. Um, they don't have a bike yet. They have an insurance company. It's sort of that catch 22 where you can't get insurance till you have your class six. Or, you know, so these people say, well, how am I supposed to practice on a motorcycle first before my road test? I don't have any friends that ride. Uh, I don't have a motorcycle because I didn't buy a motorcycle yet. I didn't know if I'd like it, right? So this new road test prep course that we're we're going to be launching this summer is going to hopefully address some of those issues. Perfect. Just, yeah. yeah.
0: And just, just for the record, our friends over at Klondike will find you insurance if you have a Class 5 for a motorcycle. Yeah, that's it, it may not be cheap, but it will, it will get you... Going at the very least. Yeah. So, Karen, if someone was interested in becoming an instructor, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Just have to call the office here so you can find all of the information online. 7, What's your website? Oh, it's safetycouncil.ab.ca. And, and your phone you just number? just have to get in touch with me. And, you know, if there's an info at Safety Council, I believe there's a, you know, the website. That you can do and uh, it just somebody will just pass that information along to me
0: and if they wanted to call the phone number is
1: 780-462-7300 and just ask for Karen
0: that is awesome Karen thank you so much I know there's people out there who how, always wondered what it took and now they have an idea and I hope that People consider this over the winter of 2024 and maybe reach out and, or sorry, the winter of 2023. I'm already ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> My God, it's a tough year already. Um, yeah. And just see if maybe they're interested in getting going for the 2024 season. I mean, you're always looking, right?
1: Yeah, we're always looking. And we typically run that instructor course like this year. It's running March 31st to April 2nd weekend. That's our first weekend. I I start looking January, February, and that's like, those are the posts that you started to see. Yep. Primarily I put on Facebook and Instagram just to, you know, just to get it out there to the general public.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for breaking that down with us and always being a part of uh, what we're doing and willing to come on the show. And uh, we're going to have you back later in the season to talk about some city riding tips which Excellent. will be great
1: cool. hey, and, and i'm looking for you in a couple years you know oh, i
0: don't know if it'll be a couple years but we'll get there eventually
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds good leon thanks again for having me thanks karen okay see you next time
0: It is mailbag time. Our question today comes from Tom in Fort McMurray, who is asking, what are some cheap and fun motorcycle gear that you can buy? Well, Tom, first of all, there is no such thing as cheap gear (laughs) at all. If you want to be in one piece after an incident, please don't ever cheap out on your gear. Now, for talking about accessories, that's a different story. I mean, there is no end to custom fun things that you can do. Could be something as simple as valve caps or license plate screws. I got little skulls on my sport bike just for fun um all the way up to gadgets so the neatest thing that i bought myself a few years ago when it was still in the crowdfunding stage was a beeline nav system it's very small it's very simple it doesn't distract me and it gets me to where i'm going very easily it has different modes like a guided route or Choose your own adventure. What do I mean by that? You say you want to go here, but it doesn't actually navigate you through. It just points an arrow in the direction you want to go. So you can literally choose your own adventure to your destination. Now they run about $200 or so, and now can be purchased through Amazon. All I have to say about this is find ways to make your bike yours. You can find a variety of options and pricing that suits your budget, but at the end of the day, There is no end to motorcycle fun. But please, please, please do not cheap out on gear ever. Thanks, guys. that is our show today to make sure you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or listen to previous ones. Make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or guest you think would be great on the show or a question for our mailbag, let us know. You can connect with us on all the socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out through the website ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We will see you out on the road.